Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the 2020-20 Mastery Mission. 20 guests, 20 topics, 20 minutes. We're here to unlock the tribal wisdom from the legends of tech sales to help you get one step closer to mastery. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host Ollie Kune. Welcome to the show everyone. And we're absolutely delighted to welcome Thea Mays. Thea, welcome to the show. Hey guys. <laughs> welcome to the show, Thea. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Thea Mays. I currently work at Snowflake as a major account exec. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's an absolute privilege to have you on the show today. By the way of an introduction, yes, you are currently uh, part of the majors team over at Snowflake, but quite an interesting, quite a unique background um, in terms of you know where you've come from. You obviously migrated across from New Zealand where you were an Olympic lifter. Uh, moved over to the UK and you were part of the very prestigious Bethnal Green Lifting Centre and uh, from, the, from the very kind of sporting background you've transitioned into the world of tech sales, HPE, ServiceNow and of course now the playbook institution that is Snowflake. So you have 20 minutes, could you kindly introduce your, your topic? Sure, so thanks so much for having me guys. Actually what I'm here today to talk about is my background in sports but how that works in tech you know how you conquer some of the most important sales aspects just by learning and being sort of regimented and routine from what you learn from a sporting background and uh yeah i'm really excited to share my story with you guys today fantastic well it's an absolute delight to have you on the show today thea so thank you so much for joining um so i think you know for us to be able to start this off we always start from you know why is it so important and what can one game by getting into this mindset as such? So I think, you know, what I want to really think about what I've done in my background is I've always been in sports. Ever since I was a kid, I've tried basically every sport that you could imagine, netball, cricket, football, and then I really got into Olympic lifting. And that was off the back of being at CrossFit, to be honest. My coach at the time was um, like an Olympian himself, um, Richie Patterson in New Zealand. And he said, you're not very good at CrossFit. You're pretty good at <laughs> Olympic lifting. Yeah, you're built to be an Olympic lifter, basically. And firstly, that's like a, a physical standpoint. Long torso, short legs. You can see my feet don't touch the ground here. <laughs> um, and long, like longish limbs. So we started training and I re really had got kind of passion for it and got into it. But it taught me a lot of interesting and important things about myself, about routine, about timeframes, about managing your day about managing what you eat, which was the worst part of it possible, but it really gives you the best outcome, especially in a weight classification. And then now, I'm in, I'm in the UK, I was really fortunate to join HPE, um, and then moving into ServiceNow, another monolith by Frank Slootman, and then now at Snowflake, where I'm working for, under him as CEO again. So it's pretty cool to tell you my story today. It is a really incredible story, and I think when you actually think about it, you know, Olympi Olympic lifter, into boxing as well, yeah. into software sales, right? <laughs> when you actually think about that as a journey, I think it's, you know, very aligned to what we've heard in many of the episodes when we've done the 33 CXOs, looking for those individuals with those unique backgrounds, right? So, so with regards to the actual, so, so when you actually take all of this kind of the sporting, you know, the sporting background, how has this translated and helped you from a from a 
in your tech sales career? What was the impact that that's actually generated for you? Well, I think the obvious is competitiveness, right? So being part of a team, even though Olympic lifting is an individual sport, right? You're always training as part of a team and that's very much the same in sales. So you compete against your team, however you're actually competing against yourself the most out of everything and using your team to spur you on. Best practice, listening to them, and also creating a bit of conflict as well. If you think someone's doing better than you or you're doing better than them, you actually start trying to use that conflict to get better. So I think that's definitely something that I've found. And also, if you look at a lot of top sales people that I work with, even if I think about my current team, most of us have a background in some level of elite sport, to be completely frank with you. And I think that's because we've had instilled in us a lot of really regimented ideas about the importance of training, the importance of being organised, um, making sure that you express and you know, are also excellent in yourself every day. It's one thing we hear loads of about a snowflake, right? It's like sales excellence. It's the same thing with sport. And what is it specifically about sales excellence, is it? I think, I think there is a bit of a misconception around you know, people that do well in sports or people that are doing well in their activity or what it is, is because they're ridiculously motivated, right? And I think there's that misconception of motivation, but more important, or between motivation and with consistency, right? And I think that's a, a really interesting subject. The consistency to all of this has got to be parallel to what you're doing, right? Correct. So how I consider myself to be consistent, like if I'm thinking about my day-to-day sales life that I've learned from sport. So every day you have the same routine, right? It might be that I speak to my SE first thing every morning, whether he wants me to talk to him or not. <laughs> I'll tell him what's going on, what we have to do, and then speak to my SDR. We have the exact same conversation. What's her plans for the day? What's her motivations? And also I invest a lot of time into ensuring that my SDR really gets what the point of each conversation and each target or veto that she's going after. Same thing when you're in it. There's supporting functions that you have when you're in a team or when you're a competitive athlete as well, right? It's not just about you, it's about your coach, it might be about your physio. You also go and get someone to see about your mental health to make sure you're overcoming your mental challenges. Why can't I put one extra kg on the barbell today? It seems like nothing, but actually the amount of times I've been deck chaired under a barbell for one extra kg is embarrassing. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like work, right? So when I come in every day, I make sure I have a routine set up. I've looked at my diary the day before, I've prepared for who I'm going to talk to. And most importantly, imagine going into a meeting and not being prepared for that C-level meet that you're meant to be having. Same thing, you're not going to go to a competition where you're going to get on stage at the British, you're going to be prepared, you're going to look your best, you're going to have your best onesie on, you're going to have your hair pulled back so it's not flicking around in your face. And it's the same thing as preparation for a C-level meeting, obviously not quite so facetiously. But (laughs) I think, if I think about my last EB meeting, it took me ages to get him to meet with us. I, I went the usual route of talking to the champion. Champion was like, nah, you're not ready. We don't have anything to talk to them about. So I thought, right, well, they're not a champion, then are they? They're... So you've qualified out a potential champion that you had there. So I went directly to the EB. This is what I want to talk to you about. I want to go through what we've done to date, why we're important to you, what I see for the future, and also how I can help you. Also, and then understand your strategy. These are things that are relevant to them. And if you think about that in sports terminology, same thing. You're prepared, you've trained, you never just show up or expect to get on stage and be the best. 
you're going to have bad days and you're going to learn loads of interesting things about each day and each moment that you're there. But ultimately, the most you can do is be prepared and that's equivalent to training. I think also it's about the conquering of that meeting. So what is the outcome that you actually want? And it's not always winning, right? What is winning? It's, you know, getting first place, but actually there's still going to be someone better than you. The, look at CrossFit, for example. It's about being best at being average actually it's 10 different or 20 different um, events that you go through and you don't have to be number one in each of them you just have to be like one of the best yeah top same thing with sales same thing with software sales just because your tech is the best that doesn't mean that you're definitely going to win this and so you have to make sure you have all your bases covered and that's one thing that i've really learned very in a hard way but in a really good way from sport yeah, it's interesting because I think when you actually think about some of the sports that you've mentioned, such as boxing, Olympic lifting, you, you do kind of see them as sort of individual. It's only one person that's doing it. But again, there's a relativeness here, which is it's not. It's a team that's behind you, right? And you've just kind of connected sales and software sales about your team, you know, the SDR, um, your pre-sales, what we're doing, how we're working on this together. Is that a mindset of team? Is it kind of absolutely? And I think a lot of that is again something I've learned. If you think about boxing, I wasn't a natural boxer because I've been doing Olympic lifting for such a long time that I was like built like a brick basically. And to get into boxing, you've really got to lean down. You've got to stop the weightlifting. You've got to get your lung capacity up. Just having a big hit doesn't help you the entire time. Mm. And so I've always had to have other really strong people around me pointing out my weaknesses to make sure that I'm getting better constantly. Um, and so if you think my SDR, that I want them to take over for me one day. What if I'm like, what if I'm a boss one day and I'm managing a team and I really want an up and coming salesperson who's worked hard. You're gonna to wanna to promote your SDR who's really crafted. Mm. Nothing harder than constantly picking up the phone to cold call every day. Yeah. So you've got to constantly motivate them. That's the same as having a good coach yourself. And then one of the other things I've always learned about is the importance of having a mentor who's not just in my industry. And I think this is sometimes something that people can get very wrong in sales. You think that your mentor has to be like the MVP salesperson. And do you know why they're the MVP? Because they're selfish normally. Like it's not everybody, but typically they're incredibly selfish about being the best of themselves. And they haven't necessarily taught that to themselves. They've learned that from a million other people. Mm. And so I've always gone and found myself a mentor who is not in my industry. Maybe they're like the smartest person in the room. The most recent person who was a fantastic mentor to me was the chief innovation officer at um, ServiceNow, I call Paul Hardy. And I had to ask him three times to mentor me. He's like, no, you're not ready. No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to put the effort in yourself, you know? And then what eventually I was like, this is what I want to learn from you. I want to know more about what customers are saying, what innovative technologies are coming up. And also I just want to understand how I can be better and more well-spoken about what we're doing here. I'm never going to be a technologist. I'm never going to be the CTO, but if I can articulate that, I think that's really important. What was your early journey um, transitioning into kind of tech sales like and how did your sporting kind of background help set you up in the right way to kind of inevitably give you the success that you're now experiencing? Um, so in New Zealand, I 
was running my own company and it was like a really small startup and we sold confectionery. Um, it was like sugar-free, dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate and lollies back in the day. I sold in supermarkets, literally door knocking. And um, when I decided to move back to the UK, I went, do you know what? I really just want to work for like one of these monoliths. I want to work for the biggest IT company there is. And I thought HPE, everyone knows that name. So this was back in 2013, I think. and. I, LinkedIn was just becoming relevant and important. And I went on and I messaged about 30 or 40 people. And I said, I wanna come and work for HPE, what jobs do you have? And the reason I knew to do this was, you know how to champion yourself, right? Same thing for, and that's not having a type A personality, that's not, that is just backing yourself and that's what you learn from sport. It, it's constantly saying you have to get back up again and you have to keep going after it. So I eventually got a message back from the then SVP of sales in the UK and um, he like sent me some roles. He said, can you do any of these basically? And I found a part manager job and that's um, how I ended up in HPE. So I, I interviewed, I actually missed my first interview. <laughs> it was in Bracknell and being new to the UK, I had no idea where it was. <laughs> So I couldn't it completely. Um, and again, I called up, I admitted to my mistakes, I pitched on it and I said, please give me another chance and eventually got there, so. Amazing. And choosing that opportunity, you know, relating that to, you know, sporting background, is that like going and choosing the right club for you? Correct. Like having the right club for yourself, persistence, and then continually asking people if this is the right thing and double checking, like sanity checking. I think I, I think it's very humbling to sanity check where you're going and what you're doing. There might be somewhere better that you haven't heard of. Like when I went to Bethnal Green Weightlifting Club, that was because I'd heard that Giles Greenwood, ex-Olympian, was the best in the area. And right. so I wanted to go and learn from him. When I was there, I met two of the guys who he trained and I ended up going and training with one of them just because his style, it was a, suited me a bit more. But if I hadn't gone and chosen the best to coach me that I thought was the best, then I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to that British stage. And, and what is it you think that's driving you to choose that particular person and choose the best person? I think when you actually look at your, you know, your, your development and, and where you've come from and where you are now, you've, you've made changes. You've gone and challenged yourself at new things. Is, is there a reason for that? Is that... Do you know what? I think is, it's people. Right. Um, my best guidance and advice that I've always found is work, who you work for is like possibly the most important thing. Right. Um, you know, earning, learning, having fun. Same thing as sports, right? You have to, is there earning potential? Probably not. <laughs> are you learning lots? Yeah. Um, and then are you having fun? If you're not having those three things, you're in a really bad place and you probably need to pivot on where you're at. And so for me, who I work for has always been incredibly important. And I've tended to fail more when I'm not passionate about who I'm working for because I'm not being coached, I'm not developing quick enough. Um, and yeah, I've changed roles from being a partner manager to working for myself to now being a major account manager and looking after some of our big global banks. And again, it's consistently who I work for, why is that important? And why I'm passionate about it, I think. And in, in terms of when you made that transition into tech sales, obviously it's kind of a new, interest, a new industry, you've kind of knocked on the doors, you've got yourself there. 
how did your sporting background help you with the resilience needed, especially with, with some of the ramp of, you know, really kind of conquering that, that whole kind of sales operating rhythm to then give you the success that you've needed? So good question. I think that when I look back at it, to be honest, I probably had no idea what my first job was as a Pam. <laughs> um, I was looking after soft cat. They were still really small. And I knew that like the goal ultimately was to sell more services attached to all of the HP products. So again, you go back, you look at what you can actually manage, what you can achieve and who you can learn from. Same thing as sports. It's Okay, so who do I know? Probably no one. So I have to firstly go and get to know everybody. I need to go and use the confidence that I have built for myself to go and ask questions, go and be interested in what they do and learn a lot about their role. And I see that now, right? Even in my current position, 50, 60, 70% of my job is understanding what other people do for a living and then being genuinely interested in it. And... Because you can be genuinely interested in it, that's when you can start making small tweaks, small adjustments, get the basics correct. So you're not going to put 100 kg on a barbell when you can't even lift 20. So, and, and that's the important thing here is getting your basics incredibly correct and then getting people to help and tweak you who are excellent at the job or who are watching you do it because they can give you feedback. Feedback um, is something that I always really struggle to take on board I think when I was younger because you take it as criticism you always react to that criticism and think god I've done this wrong everyone thinks I'm rubbish and I'm failing but again I really had to double down on my on my history and my, what I knew about myself which is that you can only become overcome adversity and only become stronger by getting better at what you're doing so you're never doing anything completely wrong you can just continue to get better at what you what you know and how you've currently taught yourself. That's always really stood in, in a great stead for me. Um, be humble, be hungry, be strong, work at it, have a great work ethic. So obviously the transition for you, HP, ServiceNow, and then what is the rocket ship, Snowflake. Can you talk to us about that transition and how maybe that related to sport? So it must have been a couple of years ago, I started speaking to one of the RDs at Snowflake. This was in their pre-IPO, and I knew a couple of people there from my HP days. And it was really highly recommended, but I didn't know much about it. I knew that I wasn't done with my journey at ServiceNow. Um, and when I felt that I was ready to, to move, I, there was nowhere else I was 100% dead set on. I'd already made my plan in my head. And I guess that's, again, something sporting is make your plan follow your plan stick to it ask around um like finding a club same thing it you need to know where your next home is because you're a bit lost if you don't have that um but for me what was very interesting was the whole medic playbook um i'd never done that before i'd heard about the methodology but we'd always used uh, value realization previously some similarities but not not quite the same um, and so when I had my initial interview, they said, oh, we're a medic house. And I just sort of was like, oh, yeah, that'd be fine. I'll figure it out. And um, actually what I went away and did is I started researching. I read um, Andy White's medic book, read John McMahon's um, The Qualified Sales Leader. Excellent. Um, and then I started listening to podcasts on it and watching some things on YouTube. 
Hunters and unicorns. <coughs> Obviously. Big five, yeah. So I think that one of the big things that I really doubled down on was making sure I did my homework before that next meeting, being organised. You don't want to go... It's okay the first time to say, oh, it's new to me, but if you're going back and you want that role and you want that position, but also you want to ask for the OTE that you believe in yourself that you should be achieving, you better be prepared. And I really went back and my next presentation was you know, how I could win an account using a medic playbook. Um, I really like it. I've got to say, I think it's taught me a lot. I I use it on all of my deals now. Um, and I run through opportunities at, at that granular level within the medic playbook currently. How is the discipline? Because obviously medic is a mindset, it's a discipline. That's why that there seems to be so many links between kind of sporting background and people that thrive within that environment. How do you think your background, that discipline has helped you thrive, well, helping you thrive in that environment now? I mean, it's a bit of obsession, isn't it? You have to be passionate, you have to be obsessed, you have to constantly be trying to do better and always looking for gaps. Be paranoid, be incredibly paranoid about those gaps that you're missing because somebody will be in that account trying to do the next level up from you, trying to say that their product is better and you have to really back yourself that you've covered your bases so if I think about boxing it's you know you learn your combos you go to training you get faster you get lighter you get quicker but if I wasn't eating correctly and I wasn't um you know showing up every day twice a day I wasn't going to get any better and it's the same thing with medic right there is a framework and that framework every time that you go back to it you should be adding more to it you should be getting better at it so that when you present it to your boss, to your, R, your RVP or to your SE, they should be able to pick up where, you're, where you've left off and be able to help you improve, really. Do you think you thrive better in a more structured environment? Absolutely. It goes without question. I hate, I hate our, um, our, what's the word? Autonomy. <laughs> no. right, I was going to say anarchy. I right. hate anarchy. <laughs> right. I hate that people just make things up as they go. The fly by the seat, your pants day is really gone. Yeah. Um, and th that's why we do this job, right? Ultimately, we, I believe sales and software sales is probably one of the best jobs in the world. You get to manage your own diary. Like, you get to meet people and talk for a living. You get to convince people that what you're pitching to them or what you're selling to them is actually a fantastic business outcome for them. And you get to learn about stuff every day. It's very cool. For me, I need to have a relatively flexible diary um, I train like almost every day. I've got a baby on the way. I have two step kids. I have to commute to London. I have five accounts. I, I have an other half who I like to see occasionally. <laughs> and, you know, I want to see my mates too. So these are all really important things. And if I don't have one of those pillars like working and on schedule, then my whole world is rocked. So thinking about that from a sales perspective, you have to be organized and you have to have your schedule down put. Don't just rock up and waste people's time. Don't be unprepared. Don't fly by the seat of your pants. Be interested. Mm, amazing. So in, in terms of kind of takeaways for our listeners and our, and our viewers today, um, Thea, what, what, what are the kind of a, a few things that they should really try and, and implement that, that you would advise? Um, treat your support team as your key team. Treat them and explain to them everything that you have doing. Over-explain, over-communicate, make sure that they feel as important and as integral as they should be. 
um, vetoes, same thing as being punched in the face. Keep going. <laughs> it sucks. Everyone hates it, but you get better at it. And ask other people for help. Um, nutrition, I think it's probably the hardest thing for all of us to manage. Generally, if you just eat healthy, watch what you're eating, then it doesn't matter if on the weekends you go out and you have like smash pizzas and beers every weekend. <laughs> because honestly, your 80 percent rule is correct, and I think that's really what comes with sales is eighty percent of the time be diligent, be organised, and be mindful of what you're doing, and twenty percent of the time you can have a bit of fun with it as well. Incredible, amazing, yeah. Um, it's been a it's been a fantastic um, it's been fantastic having you in the studio today and, and really spending the time with you. I, I suppose on the way of a, a, a reflection of what we've heard today, certainly what I've taken today is that you know in terms of you know tech sales is, is it's 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 tough, but at the same time, if you apply the the discipline, the the the, the principles that have served you so well within your your sporting background. Um, the, the preparation, the organisation, the discipline, the mindset—it's you can see the parallels and, and why being in this structured environment and, and having that control has given you the kind of trajectory and the success that you've had. So thank you so much for spending the time with us today. It's been really, really amazing spending time. Uh, Thanks for and, the invite. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Um, so to all our listeners, we really do hope you've enjoyed the show. Please do share, subscribe and like. Um, and once again, a big thank you for you, Thea, for joining us today. And we look forward to welcoming you back to another Mastery Session soon. Thank Thanks. you.